welcome back to the Fuel Her podcast. I am your host, Ashley Allen, and I am absolutely stoked that you are here listening today. I have an extra special guest with a, an amazing message. Everybody, I want you to say hi to Mrs. Lauren Guest. She is from the Texas Panhandle. Hey, Southern girl, I'm a Midwest, so we got some miles between us, but we have connected because she is a daughter of the Most High King. She is married to her best friend and love of her life, Hayden. They have two little rambunctious boys, which we just found out are pretty similar in age to my two little ones. Super fun. Um, She started a business called Edify Financial. Did I say that right? Edify Financial? Yes, ma'am. And she started that to educate, uplift, enlighten, instruct, teach, guide, cultivate, improve, and elevate your marriage and your finances through applying biblical principles to your money and your relationship or marriage. She also has another business. Seriously, this girl is crazy um, that she started. And that business actually continues to fund fund Edda Financial. Um, She has a tooling no, she tools handmade leather products. And I looked at some of them and they're so cool. Like the really um, detailed specialized belts, right? Like that kind of stuff. Her and her husband constantly have irons in and out of the fire, which is like a multiple, you know, like that means a lot of things. They're so busy. Um, But they actually met in the branding pen and God willing, they will always have cattle to raise, which again, I'm obsessed with. So Jesus, businesses, babies, finances, and cattle, everyone that's listening, give a little coffee cup cheer to Lauren. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. The message that you bring is definitely not in my wheelhouse. So I am pumped that everybody will get your expertise and like, I just get to share the story. If someone listened to this episode today and not having a clue who you are, they maybe have stumbled upon your website. They're going to see a bold, smart, loving businesswoman a daughter of the most high King and Jesus Christ, an exceptional wife and mom. But because I've totally went a little crazy reading your blog, I know that there has been some hardships and pain and just ups and downs, ebbs and flows um, that got you to be where you are today. So would you mind taking us through your journey of how you got to be the woman and how you got to be where you are today? I love that. So um, I'm so glad that you were able to dig down and see like that I'm not everything that people think I am. I try to be as transparent as I can about everything because I did come from some hard stuff. So I'm going to rewind a lot just, yeah. and I'll fast forward a lot too, but um, back, I, I was saved when I was in second grade. And so I was little, I've always been raised through the church around the church, like not strict Christian family, I wouldn't say, but like always part of my life. And in second grade, I was baptized. And shortly after, like very shortly after I started being attacked by the enemy. And, um, by the time I was in third grade, I had like, my parents tried everything. Like They tried discipline. They tried taking me to church and praying over me. They tried talking to my teachers or counselors, like they tried everything. And by the time I was in third grade, they had um, taken me and they realized they needed medical help. Like that I was just not, um, it, it was something that they couldn't handle. And so in the third grade, I was diagnosed and medicated for anxiety and stress. Like what third grader gets third diagnosed? Grade? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I was on Paxil as a small child. And um so to me, and, and I didn't actually put that timeline together until several years later. 
Um, that was a direct attack from the enemy. I am, I am fully aware that that is what was happening. And at such a young age, because he saw something in me that was fixing to go on fire for God. And in that time, I was so embarrassed about it. Like what third grader gets put on medication for this? I was so embarrassed by it. And my parents had to really sacrifice to be able to afford the medication. And I was so embarrassed that I filled the bottle full of water and ruined it all. And obviously I was in trouble for that because my parents were like, you know, we're trying we just everything. For this, we tried. Yeah. Like I, we just had to make so many sacrifices to get this for you and you ruined it. And so I got in trouble for that, obviously. Um, and then several years later, I wound up being, um, they wound up weaning me off of the medication. And uh, at that point in time, like everything was kind of okay. I didn't have any more attacks, but I think it was because the enemy thought that he had won. And so he wasn't attacking me. And so I went through life kind of just doing my own thing. So fast forward through all of that because it gets pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I am married and have kids. And um, in that time, my husband and I, we were raised very similar. So it's, it's really nice. Like we see eye to eye on most everything. Um, we may do things differently, but we still see eye to eye on it. And when it came to our finances, we were raised very different. And so like attacking our finances was very difficult because we saw things so differently. And so this was the first area of our life that we didn't see eye to eye. And I was like so frustrated and, and it's a huge part of your life because finances are a part of everybody's life. Like you have to do, you have to deal with finances. They're part of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And when so did you, when, when I, sorry, when did you no, go ahead. start noticing the big, big difference? Was it before you were married or after? It was after, after, definitely after my husband and I, this is another part that is just interesting to know. We actually wound up pregnant before we got married, mm. um, which is not at all the way ideal. that, yeah. Uh, and yeah, definitely not ideal. Not okay. how we would have done things. We, so we got married quickly. Um, we did wait till after our son was born just because we didn't want to get married just because, but we did realize like we're a good match and this is good and it'll be good for all of us. So we went forward with it, but it was definitely after we were married that I was like, Oh, holy moly. There's a baby Um, on board and a new marriage and we're trying to figure out finances. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's probably just a lot of blowing up at at first. Exactly. Like talk (laughs) about a train wreck, emotional wreck. Um, And my personality, like I don't want confrontation. I don't like it. I will do like, I'm a peacemaker. Like I want to do whatever I'm nine. Yes, I am. Actually, I'm a one wing nine. So yeah, definitely. In that time, and I really didn't understand, like my parents weren't real transparent with me about finances, um, but enough that I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to do things. I hadn't really formed my own mindset around money really until after we got married. And I think that's kind of when the problems started to come in. And so what happened- Did you form that ideals by yourself looking um, back? Or do you think you you did form it with him at first? A little bit of both, I think, because I could see, like, I'm a person that zooms out and like sees things Mm. in different, like I can put myself in other people's shoes and see perspectives. And, um, I think that makes me a good coach as far as this goes with marriages. And I can, I can come to these two people and be like, okay, this is the person, this is what she's trying to say. And this is what he's trying to say. And so I'm really, I've been doing that since I was little. I've always been the mediator in our family. And um, that just equipped me for where I'm at today. I think it was built a mixture of it. It was by myself with my husband learning, like doing research, 
and just kind of really forming my own thoughts and opinions about it outside of what my family had taught me because they taught me some things, but outside of that, like I really wanted to form something that was sustainable for me. Um, one of our, one of our gifts when we got married, it was from my dad. He gifted us financial peace university. Um, that was, so that was kind of the first introduction when we got married, like that was the introduction of finances and my husband was totally not cool with it at all. <laughs> he, it was the home study. And so we did it at home and he reluctantly showed up. He was on his phone most of the time. Like he didn't care at all. And, um, I was like all into it and everything. And then there was, and this isn't verbatim, like I'm sure I'm not going to say this exactly right, but there was a point in there where Dave Ramsey had said, um, if your spouse isn't on board with this and doesn't want to like be financially uh, smart with you, they're a baby and you need to tell them to grow up and do things with oh. an adult. Like I'm married to an adult and I was appalled. A little tough love. Little tough love I mean, I mean, but I was just like, my husband, like at that point, like I was all into it and everything. And then he said that and I we went ahead and finished the program out, but I lost all respect. Like not all respect. There's a lot of really good things in that program. There's a lot of good things to learn, things to pull from that. Um, but at that point I was like, okay, that was not cool. And I, I was just astonished. And my reaction was my husband's not a baby. Like he works hard and he wants to spend the money and I'm not, like, he's not a baby for that. And so that is when I really started kind of switching things. And I'm like, there's, there's more people to learn from. Like Dave Ramsey's not the only person. He has good things. Um, but it was several, it was uh, two years, probably two or three years later, had to have been three years later when I was, my husband, <laughs> bless his heart. My husband bought two brand new pickups in one year. And I'm not talking like, like they were one ton Dewey diesel pickups, big. Yeah. That, like not cheap just, trucks. No, this equivalents to like $140,000 yeah, a debt in one year. And that's not a house. Yeah, super expensive. And so that was the point when that was the straw that broke the camel's back for sure. And, and so he did he do that without consulting you first? Or was he just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm just letting you know kind of thing or? Basically. So the first one, we actually, we traded a, I had a, a suburban, an old suburban and an old pickup. We sold the pickup and traded the suburban and put like all that money towards it, mm -hmm. which was helpful. He wanted me to have something like the suburban. I thought I needed a mom car to be a mom and I'm just not a mom car person. It just doesn't work well. And so I tried to talk him down like on an older pickup or like a single wheel, little bit cheaper version, like that would still get done what we need to do. And he was not having it at all. Basically at that point he was the moneymaker. And so yeah, I was going to ask you what the dynamic was, if you were a stay at home mom or, um, what, what that was like. Yeah. So yeah. I had the leather and that is, has been good and he respects that. But at the same time he was, he was in the oil field and he was welding. And so he made lots of money and basically viewed it. He didn't view it as his, like he would never say that. But that was kind of the dynamic that was had. Yeah, that does. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference. Um, I've been a stay at, well, work from home now, but stay at home mom for five years. And that was a big thing that my husband and I had to get over. He was never like, you know, this isn't ours. This is ours. But it's, I think there's a weird mindset when you have to be the one to ask for money or be hold that role. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, big I, mindset. It is a definitely a mindset issue. And then 
So that second one, whenever he went, he said, I'm going to look, this is kind of a funny story. He said, I'm going to look at these at the dealership. And I said, okay, well, you're taking the son, our son. And I really, I mean, totally, totally malicious. I was trying to send him a son like to distract him because I can't do anything with a kid. So I was like, if I send him with a kid, maybe he won't get anything done. And he called me and he said, I'm looking at this pickup and it's this, this, and this, and they're going to give me this on mine. What do you think? I said, I was so catty. I said, why are you even asking me? You're going to do what you want to do anyways. That was my reaction. That is feels so not cool. relatable. But <laughs> it's unfortunate, but it's feels unrelatable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're lucky I said that (laughs) what I really want to say you're not going to want to hear so I'm going to say that and hang up the phone and go on and that was how it happened and he came home with the pickup obviously I mean why wouldn't he have that wasn't very nice (laughs) so that was shortly after that he got that pickup ready to go to work and he was on the pipeline so he was not living here and so I did a lot of things by myself so we had the two little boys at that time one was like he wasn't even a year old and the other one's two years older than him. So he was a toddler. I gave him a bath. Like I'm exhausted. I get him out of the bath. I get him dressed for bed, brush your teeth, get your hair combed, go to bed, read the story, like exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so I drag my rear end to bed with full expectations of hitting the pillow and crashing. Like that was the whole goal. And I, this was, this was the night that changed it all. I, so mind you, I said, I've, I've, I've been past the anxiety and, you know, things would come up here and there, but I have really, at that point, my medication was my, was scripture and prayer. It has, had got me through everything. And that night there was attacks hard. Um, I laid down and the enemy hit me. I mean, like I didn't even have time to think about sleep before the enemy hit. I mean, questions were hitting me like, how am I, how are we going to make through? Like, how are we going to pay the bills tomorrow? We make good money. Why are we doing this? Why are things the way that they are? It was, it was rough. And I realized at that point, like I'm not sleeping tonight. I roll out of bed. I'm bawling. I'm in the fetal position in our room. And I like, I needed to be asleep. Our son was fixing to wake up. Like they didn't sleep very long at night at all. They still really don't, (laughs) but one of these days, hopefully, right? One of these days I'll get a full night's sleep. So I'm bawling question. The last question that hit me was God, why me? Why, why are you doing this to me? And why are you letting my marriage go through this? Like, is my marriage even going to last through this? Like, this is, this was rough. We were looking at over $200,000 worth of debt. That didn't even include our house. It was rough. While I was sitting in the floor, I hear our son wake up. So I had spent all night crying, questioning. And so I got my son out of bed and I'm rocking him. And I had fed him and I'm rocking him. And finally it hit me. I, I, my question switched from why me God to what am I going to learn here? Okay. I'm here. What am I going to learn here? What, what is it that I need to be doing? And there are very few times in my life that I feel like I really heard God speak. And this is one of them. And Lord knows I needed to hear him that night. He said, pay attention, pay attention to what's going on. I'm bringing you out of this, but pay attention. After that, I just, I really started like paying attention to what was going on, being present with people, like asking questions, doing research before I knew it. Like I started really formulating how I was going to get out of this, but it was a feeling. It was the feelings that I had. It wasn't really the debt that was the problem. I mean, obviously that was part of it, but it's how I was feeling about the debt and how my husband wasn't feeling about the debt that, that going through that journey, the anxiety, the depression, the, the guilt, the loneliness, real loneliness. Like I felt so lonely. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could talk to my parents because I didn't want them to have a bad view on Hayden. 
I didn't feel like I could really say anything to his parents because they raised him and they obviously their mindset was different than mine. Like I didn't have any girlfriends because I was like, well, then that's just going to end up being gossip. Like I felt so lonely. The enemy attacked me there. And so that that's what I had to walk through to get where I am today. So that was a long winded no, answer. <laughs> that was so good. Oh my gosh. Um, I, one thing that I really love about this conversation right now, I'm not going to lie, is that you, you're really quick to call your bad thoughts from the enemy. Like you don't, you don't waver about that. Like that is what they are, but obviously a lot of people, you know, the negative self-talk and they think that that is truth. They think that's, that's real. And that is completely from the enemy always. It's never, you know, it's never from God or it's never from, even if it's from you, like it's still not true. It's still not good. And you have to know that it is from the enemy. And I just really love how you are prominent about calling out your bad thoughts. One more question before I get to question two, how long would you say that season was for you and your husband of loneliness and just like really that despair? You know, I think it went up and down. So it's hard to say, cause there was like times that were really bad and times that like, it wasn't such a big deal. I would say a year solid. And then there's been someone, I mean, I'm not going to say we've got everything perfect, perfect today, but that bad, really tough season where the enemy was at work hard was about a year. Yeah. And I feel like some people go more than that and I hate it for them. And some people like they recognize it within a month and they handle it and do something about it and go on. Um, I feel like everybody kind of has a different um, experience with that, but ours, the really tough season a year straight and then like I said some here and there after that but growth in abundance like at least growing since then right for sure yeah for sure growing cool I love it so okay you we talked about Dave Ramsey a little bit so tell us a little bit how you transitioned from trying to do all thing you know in that financial peace university pretty strictly to doing what works for you and your husband okay I love this question (laughs) my kind of personality like I see step-by-step patterns. I see how I can do things. I see long-term and like me sticking to a plan is not hard. Like I'm, I am the most, (laughs) and I'm not patting myself on the back for this. It's to a fault. I will will let me say that first. It's to a fault. I am the most self-disciplined kind of a person. If I see something, I see the goal and I'm running hard after it. But there was a couple things that helped me switch to kind of what works best for me and my husband. Cause if it was just me, I would have a fat retirement account and I would not have any fun. Like, I'm just here to say, like, that's exactly what would happen. My sister is the exact same way. <laughs> love you. Love you, sis, but you are. <laughs> so I think what helped me, I know what helped me. So one thing I had to remind myself a lot is I'm married to Hayden Guest, not Dave Ramsey. I have to lay in bed next to, at night next to Hayden, not Dave. Thank God, because Hayden is good looking and Dave is bald. <laughs> so I'm really proud of that. I'm really made the right choice. I made the right choice. I made the right choice there. So, um, that was the one thing that's like the top thing that helped. The other thing is really recognizing like my husband has strengths to bring to the table too. His financial strengths don't look the same as mine, but he is able to embrace an opportunity. Like my husband, when he sees an opportunity, he's chasing after it. Now, sometimes those opportunities aren't all that he thinks that they were and he jumps too quick. And so I'm here to kind of like question him through it and work through it with him. So I feel like we're both, I think, the biggest deal is appreciating him and the strengths that he brings to the table, even though they are not the same as mine. And so we have found something that works for us in a way that Dave Ramsey's like that program just really didn't like, there's lots of good things there, but it didn't work for him. And to be sustainable, like I need to be doing it with Hayden, not on my own and like dragging him around, um, trying to make him do specific things. I realized that wasn't going to work. 
Yeah. So well, it was I've, more of a conversation. I love that you said that you appreciated your, your spouse. And I know obviously the Bible calls us to submit and honor, respect our husbands over love, by the way, ladies, it's honor, respect and submit over love. They're supposed to love us first. I think a lot of women, especially stay-at-home moms, kind of go to a place of resentment first instead of seeing and waking up to say, okay, my husband is a whole other person, you know, that I need to learn and love who he is, how he is and figure out how to come together on our goals. But a lot of it, like I said, a lot of women can get resentful first before having that realization. And I think that causes a lot of issue on the marriage. Did you ever have a feeling uh, or a season of resentment? How did you navigate that if you did? I love that you asked that because I totally had a season of resentment. And that was very unhealthy. That resentment was in that year season. I resented the way he did things. I resented the fact that he was gone for work. I resented the fact that he was going out to eat all the time. I resented, I mean, there was resentment running rampant. Did he get steak dinners while you were making chicken nuggets? Because my husband does it all the time. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Like he was going out to nice restaurants. He was going out with his buddies. He was having a few drinks, like all the things. And I was home with the boys, like making ramen noodles because I was trying to be intentional with things. And so, yeah, definitely. There was so much resentment. And I think that was my part. That was my part in the, in that bad year. That was my part. And I had to recognize that about myself before I could move forward. I can't keep pointing fingers at him thinking that things are going to get solved. And, and so once I realized that and pulled that resentment away, there was, that has helped our marriage so much. Oh, girl, you're preaching now. You're just preaching over here. Okay, so um, I love the blog post that you actually were like, here's our dirty little secret of how we, you know, got out of debt. And you're like, yes, didn't follow the baby steps. We bought two trucks. We bought a boat, but we got to have memories um, with our family on a lake, you know, but and we took a little bit longer to pay off our debt, but there was good with the bad. So how do you, how did you take the good with the bad when it comes to debt and spending and spending money? And what is one piece of advice that you would give someone in that season of despair? Okay. So taking the good with the bad, I think that comes from perspective, really changing our perspective. I I like to tell people like zoom out, zoom out a little bit because we can get so caught on, get so caught on the little bitty day-to-day things in our own life that we fail to see the big picture. And by the big picture, I mean the big picture of your own life, but the big picture of life as a whole. Um, This little moment in time for your life is like a speck in comparison to the whole world, the whole eternity of all of God's people. And so we are in an ecosystem that's all working together. And that, that kind of perspective, and it's not meant to make you like, okay, hush your feelings. You shouldn't feel this way. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is let's turn our perspective around a little bit and get out of yourself just a little bit to be able to see, like, this isn't such a big deal. So like an example, here's an example me, I'm a financial person. I did math wrong and we wound up overdrafting our bank account. Like I, I, I'm a financial person. Like what? Like if people knew that you think like, if people knew that there was so much shame, if people knew that they wouldn't even trust you. No, like I'm a real human being too. And like, things happen. There's two people on this bank account and I didn't do the math. Right. And that's what happened. And so I wanted to get, have so much shame and so much irritation and frustration and anger over that overdraft. But I was like, okay, zoom out, zoom out from this situation and see that this is just my, this is just my today in five years. It's not going to make that big of a difference. Do better next time, but don't like drown in this one little thing. And I think that's what helps. Um, that would be my one piece of advice. Zoom out from your situation just enough. And if you can, that's, that's, what's so nice about having somebody that you can talk to about these things, because 
they can help you zoom out a little bit. Like a good friend, a really good friend isn't just going to sob with you in the floor. They're going to say, Hey, jump up and let's see what's going on here. And, um, I think that's super helpful. Oh yeah, it is. I love it. If you had an extra 50 K in your budget, how would you spend it and why? And also what would your husband spend it on? Okay. So 50 K I would definitely. And what's cool is like on the little things, my husband and I would do things different, but when you talk 50 K, we would go the exact same place. And and that that is, we would be buying land. We would be buying, we would expand our ranch. And so 50 K would definitely go towards, um, towards that. So give me that equity, baby. Come on. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay, for fun, for extra fun, room, desk, or car, which one do you clean first? Definitely my pickup. Because <laughs> everything else, car, truck. Yeah, car. It, my house, like, I should really flip this around. If your people could see the video, like, I would show you my house. It is an absolute disaster. My desk is like, eh, okay, because I try to keep that tidy. But the room, ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I'm in my closet right now. So my desk is TV trays. One day I'll have my own desk, like in my own little space, but not right now. (laughs) I think one day the house will be clean when the kids I'm hoping when they're a little bit older, I just haven't in the five years so far, it it hasn't happened yet. I neither. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm definitely cleaning the car. That's like, I feel like the only thing I can really control. Exactly. That's how I am too. Like I can't control everything else. The car is a small space. I can do that. (laughs) Okay. Tell me something that is true or maybe like an unpopular opinion that you have or something that's true that nobody agrees with you on in the financial space. Girl, you're coming at me with the good questions. This one is definitely about financial peace. A lot of people want to say that you can have financial peace when you're debt-free. That's a lot of people associate, associate that as the same thing. It's not, I truly believe that financial peace, like you can have financial peace today because our peace doesn't come from this world to me and you can be debt-free and still not have financial peace. And so that is a big difference that I have with people. Like I really try to work with a person to have the kind of peace that nothing can take away, that moths can't take away, that, um, that time can't take away the kind of peace that is from God. And so that's where I like to work with people. Like you can have financial peace today. You can be at peace with your finances and with your marriage today. You don't have to wait until you're debt free. So that's, that's probably where I differ the most on that. That is a mic drop. Honestly, like I wasn't expecting that at all. Like that is great. (laughs) When did you know that money was causing issues? Well, we've kind of talked about this, but so I guess I that breakdown night, but when did it, was that when you saw that it was causing issues between you and Hayden? Was it mainly because of his lack thereof or was it a lack of communication? Like what kind of, instead of, since we kind of know the the moment, what I guess caused really that the breakdown? It was the lack of communication for sure. And like, he has thoughts and feelings, but he doesn't share them because that's not the way he was raised. He was raised to buck it up, keep it to yourself and go on. He was not taught. And I think that's a, not every husband is or male is that way, but lots of them were raised that way. And so I think it's a battle that a lot of us have to fight. There was no communication about it because he wasn't taught that you communicate about it. He was taught to keep it to himself. So, and then I wasn't wanting to communicate because I didn't want the confrontation because I, I don't want that. I realized that I have to get in the nitty gritty and we have to have the confrontation in a healthy manner to be able to go forward. Like, and, and bringing those thoughts and feelings out and make, letting him feel heard. So I think a lot of times that happens between a husband and wife, like one wants to talk about it and the other one doesn't, and you don't let them feel heard in their situation. Like 
if you, maybe if you feel like you're not the one that's is financially literate for a term, um, maybe if you feel that way, then you'd feel like you can't, that your like feelings and thoughts don't matter. And I think I probably made my husband feel that way in a sense. Um, and so letting him know that he's heard and he's seen, and I, I want to do this with him was a huge, um, like a shift in how all that happened. I love that. Quick question from just from that. How did you, I know you were the one that didn't want confrontation, but you say he's kind of kept up quiet kind of thing. Strong male provider, I guess is probably a good way to put it, but how did you get him to open up through that? I think it was really just making him, letting him feel heard, letting him know, like, this isn't going to cost. So back up just a little bit too. Like he thought that confrontation and fights and showing your feelings and, and sharing your thoughts was going to result in a blow up because that's what he saw in his family. And so his dad always kept to himself because he didn't want to, like, it was going to cause like a huge fight. And I had to let him know, like, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. And since I'm here to stay, we got to deal with this stuff because this is not, this isn't cool. This is not a fun situation. And I want this to be fruitful for both of us. And so we got to talk about it. I think when he felt safe enough, like, okay, so I can talk and share with her, like, it's going to be okay. Like, she's not going to leave me. She's not going to throw a fit. She's not, like, she's more level-headed than that. When I could show him that, then for some people, that may be hard to do because maybe you have flown off the handle. Maybe there's time when he wanted to talk to you and you did fly off the handle. It may take a few times and building that trust. I mean, that's maybe where you start. Maybe you don't start with the financial conversation. Maybe you just build trust. We can have a conversation without blowing up and having this huge drawn out knockdown fight like it, we can we can be adults here that makes mm-hmm. sense no I, that's awesome I think what that highlighted that for me as just over on this side of the outside looking in is I feel like a lot of husbands come into marriages and obviously wives have their own background as well but I feel like the husbands are a little bit more insecure when it comes to these topics honestly just because of how they are raised and they just have all of this weight you know he was expecting you to blow up I feel like that's kind of like an insecurity thing right Mm-hmm, definitely. that you just had to communicate through I know my husband and I we got married at kind of young not like 18 but we were 23 and that was a big big learning curve yeah my husband which I, I'm the cradle robber here my husband's 21 was 21 when we got married and I was 24 23 23 <laughs> I had to think about that I was fixing to turn 24 and he was fixing to turn 22 but there yeah, you go. We, I was right. yeah we were young young <laughs> you're still young this is a question that I got um, from Instagram followers, but also I was going to ask you anyway. So obviously it's a juicy one. A few of my friend, a few of my friends do this still to this day, completely differently. Everyone has, you know, I know a lot of people have different opinions. Do you think couples should merge their finances when they get married and why or why not? I definitely do. Um, and I know this is a point that is hard for some people. Luckily that w- it wasn't a hard conversation for Hayden and I, um, because I, whenever, like I said, I was pregnant before we got married. And so, Um, I knew that I wanted to stay home with our son and we talked about it and that's what I was going to do. And I, like I said, I still did leather work because I wanted to be able to stay home and not feel guilty basically. Um, but I, there is so much peace to know that you're together on this and being together is like full on together. And in Genesis, it tells us a husband leaves his family, leaves his mother and father and is joined as one flesh in in matrimony. And to me, that one flesh means in your finances too. Um, that it, it's an act of trust. I will say like a little caveat here is 
you may have to take time to get there. Say that you've been married and because the natural progression now is different than before. Like this girl and this boy, they started their own careers. They had their own jobs. They have their own bank accounts. They have all their own things. And so the natural progression is, okay, we're going to get married. We're going to split the bills because I have my money and you have yours. Like that's a natural progression of things. Um, and so I think it goes un, even unannounced, like untalked about, like they, it's not even a question because this is how we're doing things. When it becomes a difficult thing is a lot of times I notice when a wife is going to have a baby and she's like, okay, well now I don't know what to do because now I'm on maternity leave and now I can't make my bill, my part of the bills. And she starts feeling super guilty about it, whether or not he's actually bringing that, um, that feelings to her. A lot of times it's there. And So that's when, when people start addressing it and with all the hormones rising and like things going a little crazy, it can be a hard time to do it. I really think like when you get married to be able to join your finances, it keeps you accountable too. Um, without going into great detail, there was a situation with my in-laws and, um, had they both been in on things and known what was going on, they could have held each other accountable. And some of the some of the struggles and battles wouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. um, that led them to a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And, was and it there finances was, that really ultimately kind of was the last dagger or was there other, there was other things too, but finances definitely like they couldn't talk about anything and that include finances. And I feel like, um, when you can talk about your finances, you can talk about anything like finances are tough to talk about. And so when you start in a place like finances, like this is the mother load of them all. <laughs> so if you can get this figured out, the rest of it comes so much more naturally. Um, and you're forced to do that when your finances are merged, when they are together. Um, I will say like, if you've been married and you haven't joined your finances, it's a conversation to have, but it may be a progression of things. Like maybe you get a joint bank account and you start trying and you build that trust and then progress over time. Like, okay, we're going to talk again in six months or a year and see, like, do we trust each other to do this? And if not, like, why the heck are we married? No, not really. (laughs) But, But having that trust and, um, because I think what I can tell I've talked to lots of people and some of them even have their finances separated. And what it boils down to is they don't trust each other or they don't trust themselves. They don't trust, you know, there's, it's all of about a trust thing and realizing that the the easiest part for me is to realize that none of this is ours. When you can have that kind of perspective, when you can realize the perspective through scripture all over the place, it talks about Everything we have, the cattle on the thousand hills, the money in your bank account, the house that is um, you are living in, none of it's yours. You have been blessed to be here, but none of it is yours. And when you start seeing it that way, it's not his, it's not yours. It's not even ours, it's his. And so when you have that perspective, you're able to actually be able to merge things and not be so concerned about it. Like you've, you've probably made this big thing in your head that actually isn't that big of a deal. Does that kind of make sense? No. Yeah, it does. My husband and I are very unpopular opinion. We actually merged our finances when we were like first dating. I don't remember what it just worked out. The situation just kind of like worked out. I was either moving banks or, you know, I was a server at the time. So I just had cash a lot. You know, I didn't really just needed somewhere to put it. Like I said, so it just worked out. 
we've always been able to have like, obviously when my mindset changes, when I stayed at home and, lo- and lost and, you know, lost the income, cause I was actually making more at the time than my husband was. That was a big transition, but at the same time, we were at least able to kind of like navigate a little bit because we already had that foundation of early on, just kind of like, what's mine is yours. Like this is, we're in this together kind of thing. And people, my friends were like, you're crazy as hell. <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> Crazy as hell doing that. I'm like, it just works for us. I I know it doesn't work for everybody. It just works for us. I think it's <laughs> okay. Going to be a prayerful discussion. Like, there's not again, there's not one size fits all for everyone. I truly believe because my values come from from the scriptures, and to me, that's what that scripture is saying. To me, that's what works for me. And if that doesn't work for you, you you have different values. We can agree to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> which know? is fine. Everybody has different values, but yeah, yeah, you just have to like at least you know that if you. I feel like a lot of people don't take time to know them, understand. So like seventy eight percent. I found this out today. Seventy eight percent of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Seventy eight percent. And how much do you think difference would be made if? all of those 78% of Americans that live paycheck to paycheck would, if they knew their money personality would help that number go down or what do you think? So knowing your personality, knowing your money personality, I think knowing your money personality or like your own tendencies is so important because that's where it's the hard work. I'll say that it's the hard work to actually look at yourself and see your own weaknesses. We all want to, we all want to boast about our strengths, but we all have weaknesses. Every one of us, I have my own weaknesses in finances. And I think that that kind of knowing yourself means that you can be transparent with other people and knowing that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Every single person, you learn to appreciate other people for who they are and appreciating yourself for who you are and getting accountability. Even if maybe there's some girls listening and they're probably not listening anymore at this point, but if you're not married, if you're not married, like even knowing your money personality and finding an accountability partner that can like, and this isn't going to be your friend. That's like your go girl friend. This is your, not your, not your yes girlfriend. It's the girlfriend that challenges you and wants the very best for you. And having that accountability, finding somebody that's different than you and say, Hey, this is my weakness. What can I do? Can you help me? This is a strength of yours. Can you help me be better about this? And if it's your spouse, obviously you've got your built-in accountability partner. I think that knowing your personality is the first deep, hard step of being able to do better in the future. Yeah. Definitely. I totally agree with that. Last question before, you know, the question I ask every guest, how do you help the women in your community get results in their finances within their marriage? Tell us a little bit about your free community and, you know, how you help them in there. Okay. So I'm really excited. It's pretty new, this community that I've built because it was through a workshop I did. I noticed that there was a, when I opened the gates of this conversation, like women came out and started talking about things that they have never even put out in the open before. What happens as a wife, a lot of times we hide under a rock, the things that we don't want to deal with because there are so many other things in our life that we're dealing with. Um, you wear so many different hats as a wife, as a mom, as a business owner, or uh, having a career, having your faith, being a community member, like you wear so many different hats. And when things are too difficult to deal with, you shove them under a rock and go on. But under a rock, nothing grows. Everything under a rock just dies. And so in that community, I really just pull the rock off of all these things, like pull these things out from under the rock so that they can grow so that they can flourish. Because what the enemy wants you to do is to stay silent and stay to yourself and let him eat you up. And in this community, and like I said, this stemmed from a workshop that I did people, oh my gosh, the healing, the tears, the joy that was brought about just by opening these doors and these conversations is unbelievable. 
And so what I really do is just, just try to bring that out in the open and in a safe place. Like this is a private community. This isn't something that everybody sees it's private and just being able to bring that out so that it can flourish, learning how to deal with yourself. So that's, it's called wives over winging it. You can be, maybe you're the free spirited one. Maybe you're the one that's more, um, more strict about things. All of us wives get together and we try to help each other with our own strengths and weaknesses, bringing everybody together and really getting down to knowing yourself as wives, it can be tempting to maybe point the finger. Um, and that's just human nature. It's not just wives. This is human nature. It's easy to say, well, what I'm doing is working. What you're doing is messing everything up. And it's like, no, okay, let's dig into yourself and who you are. And then in that community also, we're giving tips like, this is, this is what you can do to start the conversation with your husband. How did it go? Like actually having, this is like the friend, like I talked about earlier when I was by myself, I didn't know who I could talk to. This is that, co- that community that you can go to and be like, help. There's no reason that anybody should spend, like I did a year, or there's no reason you should spend a month in that dark place like that, letting the enemy eat you up. That's where this community is just designed to bring that kind of flourishment. That's awesome. It's all going to be linked in the show notes. So you, it's a free community. So you'll be able, be able to add it there. Where can we find you? Is it just, you want to, um, your website, that's also going to be linked, but do you want to tell us over the air what it is? So if they just want to go type it in, they can. Yeah. So it's edifinancial.com. So E-D-I-F-Y-N-A-N-C-I-A-L edifynancial.com. Um, that's my website. And I hang out on Instagram a little bit, not there much. I don't really get on Facebook. It's nauseating for me. Place I'm showing up most right now is that community. And then, like I said, occasionally on Instagram and you can find me there at edifynancial. It's spelled the same. Awesome. Every Yes. That's so great. I have a last question that I ask every single guest and I pull all of these so people can if they need an encouragement that we have scripture there for them. What is your favorite favorite Bible verse that gets you through that has gotten you through those really hard days? Okay. So this one's kind of long. So I pulled out my actual Bible for this, but it's Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. That was actually the verse I picked out to read to my grandma's funeral. So that was, that's one of my favorites too. I love that so much. (laughs) No, no, no. I, that literally, I just, I love that verse so much. My grandma got baptized two weeks before she passed. So that was like a big life goal of mine as a later in life Christian. So she loves, so glad you shared it today with such power and authority. I just want to say thank you so much for blessing this audience with your message, your time. I feel like we're friends now. So might just email you back and forth to see how you're doing. I am praying blessings over your people. This is, I hope that it's super, I want them to hear the passion behind it and that they are super blessed. And guys, if girls, ladies, please go check out the show notes, get on her website, get in that free community because we all need help and finances. Until next 
next time, you guys. I hope you're feeling your heart, feeling your mind and your body so you can free your soul. Girl, I cannot tell you what it means to me that you are here and listening to this show. I am so grateful for you. And I just want to say that if you did love it or if it tugged at your heart at all, please feel free to share this with your friends or better yet, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so I can personally shout you out and thank you. Thank you so much for being on this journey, friend. Talk to you soon.